Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Conversations podcast channel. Our conversation today will walk you through the latest Modern Retirement Monthly publication as my guests will share distribution strategies to help you reduce taxes and make the most of your retirement assets. Uh, joining us for the conversation, glad to welcome back to Top of the Morning of both Ainsley Carbone, Total Wealth Strategist Americas, as well as Justin Waring, Investment Strategist Americas. Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So Ainsley, Justin, welcome to you both. Thank you for joining us. Looking forward to our conversation today. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. So uh, Justin, maybe to begin with you, I know the latest Modern Retirement Monthly publication, it does spotlight ways one can reduce tax drag, so to speak, on one's assets and harness the potential power of compounding growth, something I know you and I have spoken about recently here on the podcast, uh, but how can one's retirement assets help in this case? Hi, Dan. Thanks for having us. Uh, when we think about taxes on our investments, there's really three taxes, three types of taxes to take into consideration. The taxes that you pay on your income, so the taxes going, you know, be- that you pay before you even make your investments, the taxes on your investments um, before you spend the money, and then the taxes that you pay when you withdraw the money from your retirement assets. And so, um, when we contribute to a traditional IRA or 401k, we're deferring income taxes on those investments, and we're also shielding the gro- you know the the ongoing growth of our investment assets from ongoing tax payments on dividends and income and capital gains over the years until our retirement. Um, so that's number one way that that uh, retirement assets can help us reduce drag. The second aspect, uh, which is really the focus of this report, is is there a way that we can pay a lower tax rate when we eventually pay income taxes on those deferred traditional IRA assets um, when we withdraw them uh, in retirement? And it would be really great if we could just defer these taxes forever and then never have to pay them. But unfortunately, the government does require us to make at least minimum distributions once we reach the age of 72 and then pay taxes on those distributions. Um, but that's the key. Uh, if we if we find a way to um, not pay taxes on our income during our working years and then in retirement uh, pay a lower income tax rate, then we're effectively managing to reduce the tax drag on our retirement assets helping us make the most of those assets when it comes to funding our retirement spending. Justin, thank you for that context to start things off. So Ainsley, maybe we can stick with a required minimum distributions for a few moments or RMDs, expand a bit on that. Can you explain how this works and the tax implications one needs to be mindful of here? Absolutely. So as Justin had just mentioned, one of the primary benefits of investing in a retirement account is that it allows you to just defer your taxes. And the longer you keep your pre-tax assets invested, the longer the time time horizon the tax-deferred growth has to compound. However, you really cannot defer these taxes forever. And the reason for that is because the IRS requires you to withdraw a portion of your IRA assets, with the exception of Roth IRAs. You have to take them out every year beginning at age 72. And these mandatory withdrawals are called required minimum distributions or RMDs. Now, these distributions are typically taxed as ordinary income, regardless of whether you are spending those funds or reinvesting them. 
So because of this taxable event that's associated with your RMDs, these distributions can be very problematic for some investors, particularly those who do not need the funds for spending today because they otherwise would likely have left the assets in that account to grow. And they are especially problematic for investors who have larger retirement account balances because larger IRAs are going to lead to larger distributions. And if these distributions are large enough, it could push your income into a higher tax bracket, which would mean it's going to be it's going to be a more costly distribution. And this could dampen the after tax growth potential of your portfolio. So while you can't avoid your RMDs, you are going to be subject to them if you have assets in your retirement accounts, like I said, with the exception of Roth IRAs. So even though you can't avoid RMDs, there are strategies that you can use and incorporate into your plan to make sure that you're satisfying the obligation of the RMDs while also reducing the tax drag on your investment portfolio. And that's really the focus of this report. Thank you for that, Ainsley. So, Justin, I know within the report, you do cite the spending waterfall as a point of reference to help investors manage tax liabilities. Now, the spending waterfall is nothing new to our listeners. We've covered it here on the podcast a few times prior, though. It might be helpful as a refresher, Justin, if you can take a moment to walk us through that. Yeah, thank you, Dan. And and as Ainsley was mentioning before, there is a bit of a dis. dis- an important distinction between distributions and spending. When the government requires us to make a distribution from an IRA, we're forced to pay taxes on it, but that doesn't mean that we're forced to spend it. Those funds can be reinvested, and in a lot of cases, especially for wealthier investors, um, their IRA distributions are going to be beyond their spending needs. Um, But when it does come to funding your spending in retirement, Uh, We recommend using a simple spending waterfall to try to improve the tax efficiency of the spending from your portfolio. So one common rule of thumb is to distribute from your taxable accounts first, then from your tax-deferred accounts, such as your traditional 401k and IRA, and then finally from your tax-exempt accounts. But, you know, because of required minimum distributions, we have a slightly different take on this. Um, when you have a required minimum distribution, you're already paying taxes on those assets, and they're already coming out of your traditional IRA um, into your account. So that should be the first uh, source for your spending because you're already being forced to be taxed on those assets. Um, the next source of spending for your portfolio should be from the yield and income from your taxable accounts. So dividends and interest in, in your taxable accounts. Again, you're already being taxed on, on those uh, cash flows. And so may as well use that to fund your spending because doing so doesn't actually force you to realize any additional taxes. Um, and then the next step is to take additional distributions beyond your, your required minimum distributions from your traditional IRA or 401k. And we think this is especially a good strategy in low income years, which we'll talk about a little bit more in a couple minutes. Um, and then last and, and least, is selling your taxable assets or tapping into borrowing strategies. Now, you know, capital gains tax rates are lower than ordinary income tax rates, but they're avoidable. Um, if you hold on to unrealized capital gains until you pass away under current tax law, your heirs will get a step up in, in cost basis. And therefore, you'll basically be forgiven those unrealized capital gains uh, taxes as long as your estate is below the estate tax uh, lifetime and gift, gift and estate tax exemption. And so 
you know, it, it's it, we don't want to realize capital gains unnecessarily because they are eventually avoidable if you have a legacy that you want to leave to future generations. And so that should be um, perhaps the last resort. Thank you for that, Justin. So Ainsley, what are some distribution strategies that can help one improve their after-tax wealth? So Justin just talked about how a strategy, meaning the spending waterfall, how you can use the spending waterfall to take out of your retirement accounts in a tax-efficient way to fund your spending today. However, if you're thinking about these retirement assets that you don't necessarily need to fund spending in the near term, Roth conversions could be a strategy that you could incorporate into your plan, and this would allow you to add to an account that won't be subject to lifetime RMDs. Roth conversions add to an account that will pass income tax-free to your heirs, and it also adds to an account that will continue to grow on a tax-free basis. Now, Roth conversions do trigger a taxable event at the time of the conversion, and this can, of course, result in a pretty significant tax cost. However, if you find yourself in a lower-than-normal tax bracket during the year, you can use Roth conversions to essentially fill up the rest of that tax bracket. Just like Justin had been talking about, you can fill up the rest of that tax bracket to get the money into the tax excuse me, tax-exempt account at a lower cost. Now, when it comes to figuring out, you know, which which tax bracket you should be targeting, I suggest reading through the appendix section of the report for guidance because we provide a a figure in there that can show you which tax bracket you might want to aim for uh, based on the value of your traditional IRA, just as a general rule of thumb. Now, when you're thinking about Roth conversions, there are two primary benefits of this strategy. The first one is that it can help you to enhance your tax diversification. And the second benefit is that it boosts the after-tax value of your wealth transfers. However, while Roth IRAs, while Roth IRA assets pass income tax-free to your heirs, the assets are generally included in your taxable estate. So if you're an investor and you're anticipating that your wealth is going to exceed federal and state lifetime gift and estate tax exemption amounts, a life insurance strategy may be more appropriate for you since life insurance death benefits pass income tax-free to the beneficiaries. And if the policy is purchased and owned by an irrevocable life insurance trust or an islet, then the policy's death benefit will not be included in the insured's gross taxable state at death. And then lastly, another strategy we discussed, qualified charitable distributions. These distributions can help you meet your philanthropic objectives and maximize the value of your charitable contributions while also satisfying all or portion of your RMDs. Now, two things to keep in mind. First, there are many important details that you need to be mindful of when incorporating any of these strategies into your plan. So I I encourage you to work with your financial advisor as well as review the details in the report. But it's also important to keep in mind that you don't have to pick just one of these strategies. Uh, When you're working with your financial advisor, I, I encourage you to think about how you could incorporate maybe a combination of these strategies and how you can use them in your plan to maximize the after-tax growth of your portfolio and also incorporating them to help you to align with your specific objectives, whether it's to meet your current spending needs, uh, fund needs in the future during your retirement, or if you're looking to pass wealth on to heirs or or the charitable organizations that you care about. Ainsley, to your point, there is clearly a lot of guidance here that can be put to work and deciding which strategy or strategies to implement. It varies depending on the circumstances of the individual. So to that point, Justin, what are some final thoughts, takeaways, and even next steps that you can share with our listeners and our clients today? I think 
one of the most interesting aspects of this is that we often recommend that investors defer paying taxes as long as possible. Uh, with capital gains taxes, for example, it's a good strategy to try to defer gains and uh, taxes into the future, again, because those are avoidable, ultimately, if you hold them until you pass away and leave assets to your heirs. But when it comes to income taxes, there's a gap uh, in your tax, uh, you know, your tax level uh, between when you retire and when you start to gain, you start to take your Social Security benefits and and when the required minimum distributions kick in. And in those gap years, your tax rate, your effective tax rate on income might fall from, let's say, the top tax bracket of uh, 37% or all the way down to something more in the in the 10 to 20% range. Um, and so I think the, the interesting aspect is if you, pay, if you pay the same tax rate in retirement when the required minimum distributions occur, as you would have during your career, you're not really saving anything by putting money into a traditional IRA. It's a little bit counterintuitive. I think a lot of us think we're gaining something just from the tax deferral. But the truth is that um, the growth, you're going to have a lot bigger dollar amount in your retirement, but you'll be paying a lot higher taxes uh, in dollar amount as well, because it's the same rate times a bigger dollar amount. So the real benefit from putting money into traditional IRA is being smart about when you take distributions. And in, in a lot of cases, uh, many of our investors are going to be benefiting by accelerating those distributions uh, in, in particular by doing these Roth conversions. Um, it's possible to improve um, the, the value of your assets by millions of dollars, potentially, by doing this intelligently. And, and as Ainsley mentioned, you can work with your financial advisor to, to add this into your financial plan. Ahead of, it's best to, to take a look at this in the years before um, you enter retirement. Uh, and if you're already in retirement, there's still probably a very good opportunity for you to take advantage of this. The last thing that I would mention is that um, even if you've already begun to take your required minimum distributions, there are still opportunities for you to make the most of your retirement assets with Roth conversions, especially if we hit a bump in the road and we've got a, a, a you know a poor market return or something like that. Uh, there are opportunities to make these conversions uh, tactically as well. So best to talk to your financial advisor and find out which strategy works best for you and your family. Justin Ainsley, thank you very much for your time and insights. You've left our listeners, our clients with a lot to consider to emphasize that latter point there, Justin. We, of course, encourage our clients to dive deeper into the publication, have that follow-up conversation with their advisor to determine the best path forward. Though, uh, Justin Ainsley, was great catching up with you this morning, and we'll look forward to continuing the conversation soon. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dan. Absolutely. And again, today we've been joined by Ainsley Carbone, Total Wealth Strategist Americas, as well as Justin Waring, Investment Strategist Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So as a reminder to our clients and our listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office does author a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. These resources can all be located on UBS ubs.com forward slash CIO, including the publication which Ainsley and Justin have been making reference to during the podcast today, that being the most recent Modern Retirement Monthly. Title is How to Make the Most of Your RMDs. So for clients of UBS, you can also contact your financial advisor if you would like to learn more about today's topics or receive a copy 
of that publication directly. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Conversations podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. Neither UBS Financial Services, Inc. nor any of its employees provide tax or legal advice. You should consult with your personal tax or legal advisor regarding your personal circumstances. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.